Good morning, and welcome to our study, uh, live streaming here, um, studying Revelation. My name is Matthew Cotta. I'm the church planner at uh, Pasadena OPC. Um, thanks for joining me. Uh, let me open with prayer, and then we'll read and get into the study. Heavenly Father, please uh, be with us now uh, in this beautiful day that you have made. Um, be with us as we uh, delve into your word and plumb its riches and depths, and we pray that we would um, grow as we learn as we understand as we see our savior presented to us uh, may we take all that we hear this morning to heart and uh, may it play itself out in our lives as we um seek to honor and be faithful to you for we pray this in jesus name amen so this morning we're going to be uh thinking about and uh, talking about revelation chapter 1 um, verses 12 through 20 um, I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to read a couple of passages from Daniel, which I think uh, tie into this. So, this is God's Word. Revelation 1, 12-20. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at, at his feet as though dead. But he laid his, his, his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And then um, from the book of Daniel, a couple passages from Daniel chapter 7. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, his clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. That's Daniel 7, 9, and 10, and then Daniel seven thirteen and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Before we were all preoccupied uh, with this virus and the steps uh, being taken to combat it, 
there were a lot of things on our minds and hearts. Some of those things probably remain on your heart. Uh, some things remain on, on mine. I think often of my brothers and sisters in China, um, brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering under a governmental regime intent on eradicating Christianity from the nation so that the government might compel everyone to give to the state what they are supposed to give to God alone, their ultimate allegiance, their heart. Our brothers and sisters are being arrested and imprisoned for their witness to Christ, their refusal to obey men rather than God. And the state is making it more and more likely that more will be arrested, as they are now even outlawing virtual church meetings and live streams of sermons. What we are doing right now would potentially get us arrested if we were doing it in China. Now, as we reckon with that, let us be reminded of what John said in the first chapter here in verse 9. John is with us a brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Tribulation, suffering, trials, living um, among wickedness, having to endure all of this patiently, uh, being an outsider, a stranger in a strange land, this is nothing uncommon for Christians. Indeed, it has defined us from the beginning. But what also defines us is our citizenship in and our allegiance to the glorious heavenly kingdom of Jesus Christ. It is because of that allegiance that we are hated and persecuted. It is for that kingdom and for its king that we patiently endure in the midst of tribulation. Christians joyfully confess this world is not our home, and for the joy set before us we endure the cross, despising the shame, because we died to this world. And for Jesus and in Jesus we live and move and have our being. To him be all glory forever and ever. We know this as Christians. We believe this as Christians. It gives us the strength to endure and to press on, despite the animosity of the world against us, and our Lord and his word. But our God, our Savior, gives us what we need as we endure tribulation. He does not merely grant to us a kingdom, citizenship in that kingdom, and, and then call us to patiently endure as we make our way in this world, as we run the race and fight the fight. Um, no, our God doesn't leave us in the world as orphans, um, which have to press on in this race by ourselves. John, in this passage, gives us a wonderful revelation. And he gives it, gives to us this wonderful vision that as we are in this world, as we run, as we fight, as we patiently endure tribulation for the joy set before us, our God, our Savior, is with us. And he is presently engaged in exercising his kingly and high priestly rule uh, and ministry among us. The spirit who inspired John uh, wants us to see this morning in, in our passage, Jesus Christ in our midst. He wants us to set our eyes upon the author and finisher of our faith, for only as we see him 
Only as we set our eyes on him and believe that he is with us are we going to be able to patiently endure tribulation until we obtain one day our full inheritance. <clears throat> Jesus, even now, is ministering to us by the very word that we're reading. He is ministering to us. John says in verse 10 that um, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and that he heard a loud voice like a trumpet behind him, even the voice of God, um, the sound of trumpets that in Scripture heralds the presence of God among his people. That is Christ speaking to John. This is Christ who, in verse 11, commands John to write down his word, this revelation, and give it to the churches. Again, Jesus Christ is right now ministering to his people by his word, and by his spirit. Even as we suffer tribulation and are patiently enduring, we are being ministered to and upheld by the word and spirit of Christ. Um, our Lord reveals this to us in his word so that we might not fall, so that we might endure, so that we might have hope and strength and even joy unspeakable. Now, John heard the voice of Christ speaking to him, uh, as he said. But characteristic, we'll see uh, in Revelation, is you'll often see that John will hear something, and then he will turn and he will see something. Here, John has heard the voice of Jesus. And then he turns to see the, the one speaking, the one whose word he's receiving, whose word is ministering to him and to the churches. And what he sees in our passage is a vision of Christ. A vision of Christ specifically intended to give the church what she needs in the midst of tribulation. And what does he see? Beautiful symbolism in our passage. First, he sees seven golden lampstands. He sees the Old Testament menorah, that lamp that stood before uh, the Holy of Holies in the holy place, um, that lamp that shone in the very presence of God and shone outward with light, uh, reminding all who saw the light that God's presence was among his people. Um, but John... Uh, neither John nor we were left, are left even as we look at this vision to interpret what that sign means, that Old Testament piece of uh, tabernacle furniture. Jesus Christ himself, by his word, graciously tells us in verse 20 what this means, that lampstand, the, the seven lamps. He says in verse 20, As for the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. As we noted in a previous lesson, the number seven um, is being used here as standing for the fullness of something. In this case, the fullness of the church. So these seven lampstands symbolically refer to the fullness of the church, the whole church, the universal church. Jew and Gentile, 1st century all the way to 21st century and beyond. So we have that symbol, but that's not all that John saw. He saw, beginning in verse 13 and following, he saw, and this is key, in the midst of the lampstands, he saw 
one like the Son of Man. John saw Jesus. Shown here to be the one spoken of by Daniel. The one to whom all authority and power in heaven and on earth was given. The one who is victorious and who will judge all of the nations and who reigns and rules over all of the nations for the sake of the church. Now, in Daniel, if you've ever read Daniel, you know that, and this is also the case in Revelation, Revelation draws heavily on Daniel. Um, in Daniel, the nations, uh, the ruling powers, the governing powers of the world are portrayed as vicious beasts, terrifying beasts who often ravage the people of God. But Daniel saw the day when the Son of Man would come and he would be lifted up. He would be exalted by God, the Ancient of Days, and he would be given authority and dominion over all of these powers, over all the beasts. And he would judge them all for the sake of the glory of the name of God and for the salvation and vindication of God's people. John, or Jesus, is here showing John that the Son of Man is exalted and he presently reigns and is presently ministering in the midst of the churches. This means we do not have to fear the nations, the powers that be, the principalities and powers um, often who persecute us. We do not need to fear their judgments. We don't need to fear their raging against the Lord and against his anointed, for the Son of Man is in our midst. He to whom all authority and judgment was given is in our midst. And he is not in our midst just looking, just as a passive observer. We notice that he is he who is judged in the world, or he who is, who is judge over the world, who has all authority, is ministering in, in our midst as our faithful high priest. He is, again, if you picture the Old Testament scene, he's like the high priest in the temple, in the tabernacle, ministering to the candle, the, the, the lampstand, the menorah. We see this in the, um, the attire of Christ, the way is, he is described in this vision. We're told in this vision that he wears a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. That is high priestly attire. And that's how we're supposed to consider him, our high priest. The Son of Man has become our high priest, ministering unto us before God's presence. Just as the Old Testament high priests ministered to the lamps, the menorah, tending their wicks and supplying them with oil, so Christ is tending to us by his word and spirit. Um, he's correcting us, he's exhorting us, he encourages us so that we can endure um, so that we might shine with his light and testify to God's presence in this dark world. The whiteness of his hair in this vision <clears throat> speaks to us both of his wisdom and purity and ties him to the Ancient of Days who exalted him. He who ministers to us, he who reigns in our midst, is uncorrupted by this world, he's incorruptible, and he's wise beyond measure. He is the Ancient of Days, he's the Son of the Ancient of Days, who knows all things 
and wisely governs us, working out in us and for us his perfect plans and purposes. His eyes, in this passage, we're told, are like flames of fire, portraying to us in a very powerful and lasting image that even as he is wise, the everlasting king and priest, he is also the judge whose eyes see. He sees. He sees all, both within the church and outside of the church. He sees what is happening to the church. And his eyes take in it all. And again, it's not passive. He's not just an observer of what's happening. His eyes are flames of fire. A judgment will issue forth from him concerning what he sees. A, a judgment that will both purge the church and destroy like fire. Uh, destroy those who oppress and persecute. Destroy the wicked. His gaze purifies the church and destroys the world. His feet in this passage are described as being um, like burnished bronze refined in a fire. This is a somewhat difficult one, but it indicates, I believe, that this one who is in our midst, he who sees all and judges all, um, one who stands in our midst, feet focused on here, he has himself passed through the fire of judgment. He has himself passed through the furnace of tribulation, the furnace fires of God's wrath all the hardships of this world, and he has come through them alive, himself being pure, refined, holy unto the Lord, now standing in our midst. He has walked through this world, he has endured its temptations and its tribulations, and he has emerged refined, triumphant, and glorious. And that's our hope as well. And we're told that his voice is like the roar of many waters. Again, that language suggests very clearly that, the, that Jesus is God. He is the Word made flesh. The, because the voice of God is the voice of a roar like many waters. It is unmistake, unmistakable. It is terrifying uh, to the world. It's destructive, this voice of many waters. You think of like a, a tsunami coming at you. It's like a flood. And yet that same voice is for us who believe it is refreshing. It is life-giving. It washes away all of our enemies and leaves us with our God. At the hearing of his voice, when we think about it, what is all the noise of this world? What's all the clamor? Uh, what is all the pathetic chirping um, of those who rail against the Lord? When you hear his voice, when you read the scripture, does not that voice quiet you? Does it not give you confidence? Doesn't it comfort you in the midst of all of this noise? It brings a stillness into your heart. There's more here in this passage. Keep looking um, and let's keep taking this in. In his right hand, we're told, he holds seven stars, which he himself, again, interprets for us in verse 20. They being the angelic host, um, those who watch over, those who protect um, the church. The angelic host that is at his command. 
He is the Lord of the angelic host. He is the commander of the heavenly armies, the Son of Man, um, by whom, through these angelic hosts, he will one day um, exercise final judgment upon Satan and his demons and the whole world. Yet presently, these angelic hosts, this, these warriors, are in his right hand, um, given to protect and to minister to his church. In his right hand, he holds forth for us his divine protection. Nothing, we're being told in this image, this powerful image, nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can ultimately harm us. From his mouth, we're told, proceeds a sharp, two-edged sword. Again, a weapon, a symbol of judgment and power to destroy all evil, all wickedness, all enemies, to to overthrow all of the kingdoms and powers of this world. It indicates, the sword coming from his mouth indicates that he will have the last word. His word will stand forever and it will cut down in destruction all of the wisdom and so-called so-called wisdom um, of, of this the heavens and the earth, so by the mere word from his mouth, all things will be brought to nothing. All things, that is, save for his people, his church to whom he ministers, who receive his word um, uh, as a word of grace, who, who heed his word and uh, faithfully clinging to that word of promise, endure through tribulation, waiting for and hastening the day of his coming. His face, we're told here, um, shines as the sun in all of its strength. Indeed, it is the brilliance of his glory, um, the glory that is reflected in, in the stars, in the sun. Um, his is the glory that all of those are but images of. And his is the glory that forever, forever shines. He is the light of the world. He is the light of men. He is the light which guides us on our way. Um, he is the light which exposes the world and all who secretly practice wickedness in the darkness. Just like the sun, his is the light that disinfects. His is the light that purifies. Purifies his people, while at the same time it's the light that guides us. But simultaneously, that sun, that light, is the light that exposes and condemns the world. This is the image that John sees. This is the Christ that John sees. And we're being called to just look at him. To behold him, the one who stands in our midst and ministers to us even now. The world is raging. The world is filled with darkness. As our brothers and sisters in China well know, um, it's often against you. It hates us. tries at every turn to silence us, to cause us to stumble, to destroy us even. But this passage says, yeah, but look at him. What have you to fear? If God is for us, if he is for us, who can be against us? Even if the mountains should quake and crumble with him in our midst, we have an unshakable kingdom, an everlasting inheritance, 
and he will undoubtedly bring us into the full possession of that kingdom. Now, seeing him, we might properly, like John or like Daniel or like Isaiah, as we see here in our passage, John, we might fall before him as though dead. Um, because seeing him, we, we realize acutely we are but flesh and blood. We are sinners. We are unclean people living in the midst of an unclean people. But listen again to how he ministers to you in this passage. He laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus Christ ministers to us by his word, telling us that he died for us, and that he was raised for us, and that he lives forevermore to intercede for us, and is ministering even now that word of the gospel to us in this passage that we're reading. We're shown here that he is God, and that he has overcome the world, and that he lives and reigns now for us in our midst to the glory of his Father. He is the judge of the world whose eyes see everything, and he will right every wrong and vindicate his name and lift up his people. Now, with that in mind, think again where we started. Think again about current events. Think about this pandemic. Thinking of, think about the raging of the world, the, the uh, persecution of our brethren overseas. Think of all that in the light of what we saw this morning. He who stands in our midst. And think of just how futile all of that raging against the church really is. Christ has overcome, and he will overcome. He will overcome. Christ reigns, and he will forever reign. He has judged the world, and he will judge the world. His word will stand forever and ever, and you, Church of Jesus Christ, are those among whom he is pleased to dwell. You are those whom he loves, whom he is pleased even to serve. He ministers to us. He protects and guides and sustains and nourishes us so that we, like the menorah, can shine with the light of his own glory so that we will be able to pass through the fires of this world unscathed, purified, and having endured all finally enter gloriously into that kingdom which he has won and which he has promised to give you and which even now he is ministering to you. Amen. Well, thank you, um, everyone who, uh, who joined. Hope that this was um, uh, edifying and helpful to you. Have a blessed rest of the week. God bless.